You're listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or follow our messages online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Well, I want to say a special welcome to all of our first-time guests. Uh, my name is Jeremy. I'm the lead pastor here. It's so good to have Pastor Dave with me. We're tag team in the message today. And it's going to be a great day as we're in week two of our series called What's Good? What's Good, Pastor Dave? The title of this series is Required Living to Heal a Broken World. You know, our world seems more broken than ever before. If you watch the news, I mean, it's almost depressing. But at the same time, there's never been more opportunity for God's people to do good. But I don't know about you, but sometimes it feels overwhelming. Like, where do we start? How do we make a difference in this world? The world seems so big. Its problems seem so big. I feel so small. Where do we even start? Well, our key scripture for this series speaks to that very question. Let's review it together. It comes from Micah chapter 6, verse 8. Here's what it says. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. There's our phrase, what's good. And what does the Lord require of you but to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Now hold that thought for just a moment. Do you ever meet somebody and you just click right away? Like you like the same things. You love the same things. Maybe you love the same Netflix shows. You, you love the same kind of coffee. You cheer for the same sports teams. And like right away, you know, you're going to be friends with this person. What do you do? You friend them on social media. You start liking all their posts. You're giving them heart emojis. Like you just click. Don't you love when that happens? But what about when the opposite happens? When you meet somebody who doesn't even like the things that you love. Like you're a Yankees fan and, and they're, a, they're a Red Sox fan, right? Uh, you love sushi and, and they don't even like sushi. You love summer and, and they love winter. You're like, what? How can you love winter? Like who loves shoveling snow? And you know how it goes when you meet somebody like that. You're like, it's so nice to meet you. Like let's never stay in touch ever again. <laughs> yeah, it, it's because our passions, right, the things that we love, that's what brings us together. You know, you can come from two totally different worlds. You, you can take a, a, a rocket scientist and a, and a plumber, but if they both love baseball, that's what brings people together. So let me ask you this question. How many of you want to have a closer relationship with God? I think that's most of us. That's why we're here today. That's why you're tuned in this morning. But let me ask you this question. Do you love what God loves? Do you love what God loves? See, God loves mercy. Our, our key scripture tells us God loves mercy, and so he wants us to love what he loves. Now, last week we talked about what it means to, to act justly, to, to do justice. This week, Pastor Dave and I want to talk to you about what it means to love mercy. Now, the word translated mercy, it comes from a Hebrew word in the Old Testament called hesed. It's one of those good Hebrew words. Come on, you got to try it at home. You got to say it. Hesed. You got to kind of cough it up. <laughs> hesed, which means covenantal love, or, or we might say love expressed as loyalty. Think of it that way. This is, this is the kind of love that God expects from his people. So let me give you this analogy. Let me, let me give you an example. When a bride and groom get married. They stand up in front of their, their family and friends, and, and they make their vows to each other, right? They, they make their vows for their wedding covenant. And what are the vows? They say things like, for better or for worse, for richer or for poor, in sickness and in health. Now, when they live up to those vows, when they love each other through the bad times, when they love each other in sickness, right, in, in, in times where there's not as much money, that's an expression of love in the form of loyalty. 
So in the Old Testament, God made a covenant with his people. He said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bring you into a promised land. Like my hand is going to be upon you. And in return, it was the people's job. Their, their expression of the covenant, of their part of the covenant, was to be faithful to God's commandments. And in being faithful to God's commandments, this was love in the form of loyalty. They were expressing their love to God in the form of being loyal to him in their covenant. Now, all throughout the scriptures, these commandments are often about treating other people mercifully. So here's the idea this morning, church. Here's the main idea. To act mercifully toward others is an expression of our love for God. It's not just something nice we're doing, okay? But it's actually an expression of our love for God. When we love mercy, we show that we love what God loves. And what does God love? God loves people who are made in his image. God loves people whom he sent his son Jesus to die for. Yeah, and in fact, Jesus shares a famous story about somebody showing mercy, about this very topic of mercy. And he does that by sharing about the parable of the Good Samaritan. Now, we're going to look at Luke 10, uh, 25, verses 25 to 37, where uh, we see Jesus talk about this parable. And so we start off in verse 25. Uh, it says, on one occasion, and there were other occasions, but on this one occasion, an expert in the law, and that simply means a lawyer. He, he was somebody that was trained in understanding the Jewish scriptures. And so this expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. He's going to test Jesus. He's going to ask the billion-dollar question. Uh, teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life. Now, that's a really good question. So what did Jesus do? Uh, well, he, in good rabbi fashion, uh, he answered the question with a question. And he, so he says in verse 26, what is written in the law? You, he's saying to the lawyer, the expert in the law, you tell me, and then we'll both know the answer. In other words, what do you think? Uh, how do you read it? And so what the lawyer does next is really appropriate. He actually quotes, he recites uh, from memory the Jewish scriptures. It's what every child in Israel would have learned. It's what Jesus would have grown up learning. It's what the lawyer would have grown up learning and memorizing. Everybody in the audience that would have heard this would have been familiar with it because they had recited it uh, by heart as a child. And, and it really, it's the answer to... Uh, the question, what does God want most? How do you get in good with God? What is the greatest commandment? How are you going to know if you're going to go to heaven when you die? How do you know if God listens to your prayers? Now, um, let's see how the lawyer answers. And remember, uh, people in the audience are going to be really familiar with what's about to be said. So they're probably nodding in agreement as the lawyer uh, answers Jesus' question. So in verse 27... Uh, he answered, love the Lord your God, and they're nodding, uh, with all of your heart and with all of your soul, and the audience is nodding, and with all of your strength and with all of your mind, and the audience is nodding. And now, uh, this lawyer most likely had heard Jesus uh, speak about these things, respond to a similar question on another occasion when he answered somebody who asked, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus answered the question like he had been raised to answer it, but he also added a second part. And this other part was, and love your neighbor as yourself. So the lawyer would have heard Jesus talk on this other occasion about this. So that's why he includes it here. It wasn't, um, it wasn't how, it, it was how young uh, Jewish children would have learned it, 
but they didn't add the second part. Jesus added the second part. Now, we don't get this in our day, but with this addition, with this second part, Jesus was signaling a shift from a vertical orientation to God to a horizontal orientation with God. This is a big deal, and here's the point. This is what he's trying to say. Jesus says that loving God and loving people is the essence of fulfilling the scriptures. In other words, Jesus is saying our love for people is always a reflection of our love for God. Notice in verse 28, it says, you have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. The person who does this will live forever. It means they'll have eternal life. Now, uh, very rarely does anyone answer Jesus correctly. Um, His answer here, the lawyer's answer here, shows that it's not just about keeping God happy. You can't please God if you don't love people around you. Jesus says to the lawyer, you nailed it. You got it. That's a good answer. The two are inseparably linked. In fact, if you want to discover how you're progressing in your love for God, look at how you're progressing in your love for other people. So Jesus is about to turn around and leave when the lawyer asks another question. Yeah, the lawyer then asks a question which shows that he's looking for a loophole. Look at this in verse 29. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Now, you just got to feel the tension in in this story. I mean, this is where it really gets juicy because the lawyer has an issue with Jesus. He disagrees with Jesus. He has a beef with Jesus. And in his questioning, Jesus is to get to the point of the conflict. In a sense, he basically says, we don't even agree on who our neighbor even is. In a sense, he was asking, what's the minimum requirement for loving your neighbor? Like, who's in? Who's out? The expert in law wants to make neighbor... A, a term for limited liability. My, my family, my friends, relatives, right? Members of the same people in religious community. So to answer the lawyer's question, Jesus responds with the parable of the Good Samaritan to clarify just who my neighbor is. Let's look at it. Luke chapter 10, verses 30 through 37. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, which would have been like an assistant in the temple, uh, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Verse 33, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, which is like two coins each worth a day's wages, and he gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for the, any extra expense you may have. Now, here, here's the part that doesn't hit us nearly as strong. We've all heard the term good Samaritan, and we think about someone who helps someone else. But you have to realize, in Jesus' time, the Samaritans and the Jews hated each other. The, the Jews looked at Samaritans as really half-breeds. The, the Samaritans had intermingled with, with Gentiles, and, and Jews didn't do that. They even had kind of a rival religion. The, the Samaritans worshipped on Mount Gerizim. Of course, the Jews worshipped in the temple. So there was a lot of animosity between these two people groups. So this would have been a really surprising twist when Jesus introduces the good Samaritan into the story as the hero of the story. Now let's pick it back up. Verse 36. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? This is Jesus' question. Verse 37. The expert in the law replied, 
the one who had mercy on him. He can't even bring himself to say, the Samaritan, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Did, did you notice what the lawyer said in verse 37? The one who had mercy on him. If you're paying attention, mercy is our key word for today. Here it is. This is chesed. This is the word we're talking about. This is acting mercifully towards someone as an expression of love for God. This is an expression of being loyal to God by loving other people. The hero of the story is the hated foreigner who shows mercy, who loves mercy, who practices chesed, who puts love into action. You see, every Jew in the crowd that day who was listening to this interaction between Jesus and this expert in the law, everyone in the audience would have known that the correct answer to Jesus' question, who is my neighbor, would have been other Jews. But Jesus demonstrates that the true neighbor is the one who shows mercy with no strings attached. Come on, church. Our job as Christians isn't just to love someone who can love us back. Isn't just to serve someone who can do something for us in return. We're called to love with Jesus-style love. No strings attached. My calling is to serve others because God has served me. My calling as a Christian is to love others as an expression of God's love for me. I serve others not because, not because we're good people, but because we're God's people. We serve others as an expression of our love for God. Pastor Dave. Yeah, so Jesus shows us that one of the most powerful and practical ways to love mercy, to love God, is to serve others. And, you know, um, we've always heard in the church, we're called to serve, right? And we know this. But if you're like me, you come up with excuses not to. Uh, you know, one excuse that uh, we've all used is the one of being busy. busy. Uh, we're in Westchester, right? We're all busy. We, uh, we're busy with our jobs. Uh, we're busy with our side job. We're busy getting an advanced degree. We're busy raising our families. Yep. And, um, you know, we're just busy. And, you know, I remember uh, back in 1998, I took a mission trip to Ukraine, and we were going to be busy. Uh, we had uh, some teaching, internship type of stuff in the mornings, and then we had evangelism the, the rest of the day, inviting people to different events and sharing about Jesus. And uh, early on in our time there, uh, I still remember we were back at the team leader Doug's apartment in the evening, and we were talking, and somebody knocked on the door, and we found out it was the neighbor a few doors down, Peter, and he came by because he heard that there were Americans there. He heard us talking, speaking in English. And he wanted somebody to help him with his English. He was Ukrainian, and he wanted to uh, have better English. Uh, so after he left, I said to the, the others, I said, I don't know if we have time to meet this need, right? We're here. We're doing this internship. We're getting some teaching. We're doing evangelism. And Doug, he took me aside privately a little bit later, and he said, hey, Dave, he's like, you know, this is the need that I think one of the needs, though, I think we're called to meet. This is one of the reasons why you and the team are here. Another excuse that we can use is that serving is not convenient. Uh, there, there's no parking at the food pantry, and it takes me 15 minutes to find a spot. Or maybe another excuse you might use is, you know what, I don't want to get messy. You know, what if I sign up for a serve day project and get, I get my hands dirty? Uh, what if I help <laughs> deliver meals to families in a neighborhood that I don't really feel comfortable going to, mm -hmm. you know? Um, do you think, though, that the Samaritan got messy? Uh, do you think that he got a little dirt on his hands? Uh, do you think that he got a little blood on his clothes, a little sweat on his clothes? Sure he did. But the Samaritan overcame the excuses in his mind. 
He didn't just walk past the man and feel sorry for him. He did something. He put love into action. And if we're really going to overcome our excuses, to show mercy, to love others in hands-on practical ways, to put love into action, we got to understand that we were that man at the side of the road, and Jesus came by Mm -hmm. as the Good Samaritan. He picked us up. He paid the price that cost him his life, and he saved us from death. He would demonstrate his own love for you and for me by stooping down to heal the sins of the world. And all the problems, all the challenges we face in life stem from sin, from a broken relationship with God. Jesus would be the Samaritan for you and for me. Let that sink in. And I believe that once you see and really understand that God was the good Samaritan to you through the gospel and didn't pass by and didn't leave you to die in your sins, that by then showing mercy becomes something that's motivated by gratitude, by thanksgiving for what God did for us. Now, I'm going to ask you this question, a question that takes away all of the excuses to not show mercy on others as Micah talks about. Here's the question. Which one of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The answer is the one who showed mercy. The one who showed mercy mercy. Now Jesus uh, says in verse 37, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, famously said, do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways that you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. So how do we put mercy into action? How do we go and do likewise. Well, one of the things that we can do is be willing to get near to people in need. And, you know, if you noticed in the story, the priest and the Levite passed by on the other side, but the Samaritan was willing to get near. He was willing to get near to the man. Do you see the difference? There are so many hurting people around us, church. God is calling us to be good Samaritans who get close to people, who enter into their world, to care about them, to find out what's going on in their life, to meet a need. Maybe it's getting closer to someone in our church family, getting closer to someone's need in your life group or on your team that you serve on. Maybe it's getting closer to somebody in need in your family or uh, in your circle of friends or coworkers. Draw near to people in need. Get involved and help them. You are never more like God than when you are helping hurting people, lifting up the fallen and restoring the broken. Amen? Try to make this a high priority in your life. Now, the next story shows that your ability to do this stems from an even higher priority. Yeah, so point number two is be willing to pay the price to serve others. The first thing is be willing to get near to people in need. And here's the second thing is we want to be practical here. Point two is be willing to pay the price to serve others. Church, you got to know it always costs us something to love people. It always costs us something to, to serve people, but the cost is worth it. Jesus demonstrated the cost is worth it. You ever have one of those moments where you pray, God, make me more like Jesus? Come on, I hope you pray those kind of prayers. God, make me more like Jesus. Well, be careful because God will answer those prayers and he'll answer them with opportunities. Let me tell you this story. So I have a neighbor across the street from me. His name's Patrick. And Patrick's basically a shut-in. He receives like in-home healthcare services and really can't get out on his own. And 
And, uh, you know, I've helped him a few times. He's asked me to help him bring the newspaper in, that kind of thing. And, and one time I introduced myself and just told him I was a pastor and gave him my number and told him, hey, if you ever need anything, just, just reach out. So during the height of COVID, when we were all on lockdown, I was out jogging one day. And I'm almost home. I'm, I'm just, you know, finishing my jog. I got my AirPods in. I'm, I'm sweaty. And Patrick yells out to me and asks me, for help. And he goes, hey, you're the minister, right? And I really barely even heard him. I just was taking my, my AirPods out. And he's like, you're the minister, right? Now, you know what that means, right? Like, I'm about to ask you for something, and you're supposed to act like Jesus because you told me you're a pastor. And I was like, hi, Patrick, what do you need? And he told me that he dropped his, his device for making, like, emergency calls, you know, the kind of device that you wear around your neck if you're somebody who, who's, you know, a shut-in, essentially. And so he dropped his, his remote for making emergency calls, and he thought it was under his bed, so he asked me to come in his house. So here I am, guys. I'm in his bedroom, and it's dirty, and to be honest with you, it smells like urine. I, I get down. I'm under his bed. I'm looking around for this remote. It's not under the bed, and I'm, like, looking all over the house. He's pointing me in every direction. At one point in time, he literally thought that he may have dropped it in a pile of laundry. I'm going through his laundry, like, literally picking up this guy's dirty socks, and I have this moment where, like, okay, Jesus, I'm doing this as unto you. And then the conviction hit me. Like the Holy Spirit just hit me. It's like, you know what? Jesus got down on his knees and he washed the disciples' feet. Come on, Jesus got down into the mess of humanity. Jesus got into the mess of, of my sins to wash me clean. And, and then it hit me like, Jesus, this is nothing compared to what you did for me. See, Jesus elevates mercy. He elevates said to a whole new level. And he teaches us to love your neighbor as yourself. But then he demonstrates this in a way that the world has never seen. When he goes to the cross and he sacrifices himself for us. Come on, look at this. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. The Son of Man, Jesus, did not come to, to be served. If there was anybody who could expect to be served, it was Jesus, the Son of God. But he didn't come to, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's what he did for us. And how many of you know that it's self-sacrificial love that changed the world? Come on, church, let me just tell you. It's self-sacrificial love. That, that's the only thing that's ever really been powerful enough to change the world. And that's what serving is about. In this series, we're talking about what's it, what's it going to take, right? Required living to change a broken world. We're asking this question, like, God, what's it going to take from us as your people, as Christians, as followers of Jesus? What's it going to take for us to get the job done? Where do we even start? And God answers that question for us through the prophet Micah. Let's look at our key scripture one more time. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy. Come on, somebody type it in the comments. Love mercy. He's calling us to love what he loves. To love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Now, church, imagine if every Christian in the world would get serious about intentionally serving, finding ways to serve, developing the heart of a servant. Uh, imagine if every Christian got, got committed to putting love in, into action, to serving with no strings attached, to cultivating the, the outlook, cultivating the perspective. Who can I be a neighbor to? Not what's the minimum, not just who can I help that can, that can help me, but who can I be a neighbor to? At home, let's start in our home, like loving people around us, in our sphere of influence, in, in, our, in, in church, our church family, our friends, our family, to hurting people around us, right? Like opportunities to, to serve in the community. It might be getting out with Pastor Dave to do food deliveries. Like how can we put this into practice? Wouldn't it be amazing if the church of Jesus Christ became known as the greatest service organization in the world? 
Come on, church, if you went on the street and you interviewed people and you asked them what they think about the church, you would get some good opinions, but we all know we would get some negative opinions because Christians haven't always had the best reputation. Come on, wouldn't it be amazing if no matter what people knew about Christians, we became known as the greatest service organization in the world? Come on, church, people may, they may criticize us for what we believe, but let's become famous for how well we treat people. We're not a country club. We don't exist for ourselves. We're the church of Jesus Christ, and we exist to serve the world. Can I get an amen, somebody? And so we have a great opportunity, Pastor Dave, to put the message into practice. Coming up this Saturday, July 10th, is, is Serve Day. Let's, let's talk about that. Yeah, th- thanks, Pastor Jeremy. You know, the whole idea behind Serve Day is to show our neighbors love with no strings attached, right? We believe that Christians should make their communities a better place to live for all people because we follow Jesus. You know, we want to be a force of good in the community. We uh, we want to change people's lives for the better. And so, you know, we want to be so involved with the needs in our county, right, that if we were to ever close our doors at a church, that we would be missed. That's right. And we want to be that kind of church. We want to be a church that's going to make a real difference, a church that doesn't just exist for itself but for others outside these walls. So for those of you that haven't been a part of a serve event in the past, check out this video to see a little bit about what happened last year at our Serve Day 2020. Love it. Well, Pastor Dave, tell us more about this year's projects. We've got some really great projects lined up this year for Serve Day. Yeah, we got some great projects, Pastor Jeremy. You know, we're going to be renovating a home in Yonkers. You know, I, I can just imagine now, like, seeing the family that gets to move into this house once it's done. You know, it's going to, uh, you know, be a place for a family coming from a low-income rental apartment in a, a bad neighborhood to... Yeah. Uh, having a house of their own in a neighborhood where they're going to want to raise their kids. And, you know, another great project we have is we're going to be painting the senior center, some different rooms there. And can you imagine one of the seniors as he goes into the break room there to grab something to drink or to grab something to eat? And 
he sees this new paint there, he's just gonna feel valued, he's gonna feel loved, he's gonna think, hey, you know, there are people in this community that care about us seniors. And then the, another project that I'll highlight is we get to fill backpacks with essential school supplies for students that are coming from uh, under-resourced families. And, you know, we don't want students in our county to have to go back to school without the supplies that they need. I mean, can you imagine being a student and not knowing if your mom or your dad is gonna get you the supplies that yeah. you need. Can you imagine showing up on the first day of school and not having half or even any of the supplies that you need? So we wanna make sure that everybody uh, is able to go back to school, have what they need, and feel good about starting the year. Awesome, yeah, we have some really, really great projects. So we wanna get you involved. This is your opportunity to put the message into practice. So Pastor Dave, tell these guys how our church family can get involved. Yeah, so you can easily get involved by just going to our website on the homepage, sign up for Serve Day. You can go to our app and uh, sign up there as well. Also, our host online today is gonna drop the link in the chat. You can click on that as well. And as soon as you sign up, your project leader is gonna be in touch with you, welcoming you, and then sharing more details with you. Come on, church. We have the opportunity to put the message into practice. Can I just encourage you, for those of you who have never been a part of a server event, just step out in faith. Maybe you're a little bit nervous. I'm telling you, get out there and give it a try. You're gonna love it. God's gonna expand your heart for the community. You're gonna feel his love working through you. I want you to know, church, this this is the heartbeat of God. Like, this is what our church is all about. Loving people as an expression of our love for God. Come on, let's be a church that loves mercy, that loves what God loves, and let's serve our community. Pastor Dave, would you pray for us? Sure. God, we just come before you, and we, we long to love like you love. Uh, we long to show mercy like you've shown mercy to us. Uh, when we should have been left for dead, in the ditch, Lord, you picked us up and you gave us salvation. Uh, you gave us life. You, you gave us hope. And so, God, as we um, sign up for Serve Day or as we uh, meet needs and show mercy in different ways um, throughout our lives, I pray that you'd help us remember that you're a God of love and you're a God that has served us through salvation. So, Lord, it's in your son's name that we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. We hope you can listen or join us next week.